track at the wall. We are tied. Look at this. He's I don't believe it. I don't believe it. Armstrong with a big leg. Over for the cover. He got it. Unbelievable. He got it! The starter! Mike Tyson in! Austin is the champion! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Stone Cold! Now the 2-2. Two -two. Well hit down the left field line. Way back and Touch the ball, Drew! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Retail Connection Podcast Network listeners, welcome back to WD War Wrestling Above Replacement, Episode 10. It's a sabermetric style of breaking down WD pay-per-views throughout history with a plus-minus system. I'm JT, joining me as always, my friend Marcus. Marcus, how are you? JT, it's WrestleMania, and I'm fighting to survive. Uh, how are you doing? Oh, oh, oh. Although maybe we should have like an angry Alex Riley <laughs> style song for this mania. <laughs> I feel like that's been the theme of this season. It's WrestleMania. I'm not upset, but I don't. You betrayed me. <laughs> Turned your back, I'm a man. I'm number one. Okay, it is WrestleMania. <laughs> it is our final episode of this 11-12 season. Uh, it's exciting to be here. I can't believe we're already at the end of season two. It's crazy. Yeah, it kind of flew by. Uh, I think of like, I think any year past like 2010. I think of like these these shows they have like or these these years uh, these seasons i should say uh you know 12 or 13 shows um but they all really flew by um and couldn't do it without you same buddy i am looking forward to moving on though something new for sure so i'm ready to put this one to bed so today we'll be covering <laughs> wrestlemania 28 as well as doing our year end awards like we always do at the end of a season so we'll break that down to the back end of this episode if you're new to the show which you shouldn't be you should always listen to it but if you are new uh, basically, we uh, rate every match, give it a grade, net out the average of those grades on a plus minus, and then we go in and rate uh, each pay-per-view on a number of categories. We give pluses, we give minuses, whatever that total nets out to, we add it up, sum it up, and that gives you our final score for each pay-per-view outing. Uh, Marcus, you want to run down the categories? Absolutely. We go off of build, commentary, 
atmosphere, notable moments and importance, match grades, card structure, rewatchability, all-time matches. We had all those up, and we get our total. And then uh, once we get that total score, we put it into our final list to see where it ranks overall all time. So right now we have already done 17 shows, and we'll read those to you right now just to let you know where things stand. On the bottom of the list is Over the Limit 2011 with negative 9. Followed up by Night of Champions 2011 with a negative 3. WrestleMania 11 with a negative 0.75. Elimination Chamber with a war of 2.75. Royal Rumble 95 with a score of 4, uh, I'm sorry, 5.5. TLC 2011 with a 6.25. Royal Rumble 2012, 6.5. King of the Ring 1994 with a 6.5, but the tiebreaker win. Survivor Series 94, 7.75. Extreme Rules 2011, 8.75. SummerSlam 94 with a 9. Vengeance 2011 with a 9.5. Hell in a Cell 2011, 11.5. Capital Punishment 2011, 13.75. Survivor Series 2011, 18.75. SummerSlam 2011 with its total war of 23. And setting the pace in the number one slot, Money in the Bank, 2011, 28.75. Do you think it's to our benefit that we have a uh, like such an all-timer show at the top to kind of, Out of the compare gate? these other shows to? Yeah, uh, yeah, it's interesting. I, I think so. I think it's good to have the yardstick. What do yeah, you I, I think so too. And as we like continue to like perfect our process, I wonder if like Money in the Bank would like even benefit more uh, when everything's said and done. Like. Is it really like a 30 show? Um, but I feel like we we did pretty well and we got our formula down. So mm-hmm. I'm interested to see if anything's going to touch the stratosphere that is 28.75 with Money in the Bank. Well, we will find out as we matriculate along, won't we? we Maybe. Will. WrestleMania 28, April 1st at April Fool's Mania 2012 from the Miami uh, Sun Life Stadium in Miami, Florida. Really cool setting, unique setting. And, of course, the match we've really been driving this entire season toward. John Cena versus The Rock. It was first announced pretty much at the WrestleMania before when Rock came back in February 11 that he was challenging Cena a year out in Miami. So this has been hype building for a while, Marcus. We saw some of it playing specifically at Survivor Series, and we're here. Um, Just in general, do you have, like, thoughts about this mania? Like, did you watch it live? Do you remember it well? Were you hyped for it? It's kind of where did you stand like in the moment? Yeah, this was I felt like a, this was a big one. Like I thought that the show could be in like that top ten, you know, and not even like ten, you know, top seven. I thought I thought like there was enough talent, enough uh, build going into the show that, um, you know, if everything delivered, uh, and you know, a couple matches like Punk and Jericho really like stood out as like the the work rate matches. Um, like this could be a, you know, like an all timer show. Mm-hmm. Uh. And I guess I really didn't know what to expect with Rock Cena because it had been so long. You know, we saw Rock in this, the tag match Survivor Series, but um, we haven't seen him in a singles match. And Cena, I don't think Cena really has the reputation at this point of, like, you know, being big match John necessarily. No, um, definitely not. Yeah. So, it, it, you know, wasn't exactly sure what to expect there. Um, but, yeah, I watched this one live on pay-per-view, had the family. I think uh, not the tool man Tim Taylor even made the drive up from Virginia at the time to watch this one with me. Um, so those are my memories of the show. What about you? Yeah, I definitely remember being pretty hyped. 
uh, I mentioned a couple of times, like this was pretty much the end of year one of the Place to Be podcast. And during that first year, Scott and I were really dialed in. We did a headline show every week. We were like recapping what was going on wrestling, you know, on TV, mainly on Raw. Uh, we're doing pay-per-view previews and picks. Like we were super dialed in to the promotion at this point. This was definitely one of those shows that we were hyped for. And I remember watching it at uh, my buddy Andy's uh, apartment. He didn't have that apartment for long. It was a few years. And it was weird, like, going to his place for a show, which, we like, we never did. So I remember it, like, really clearly going there. Um, buddy Rob Houston came, who was, like, an early big listener of the PGB podcast that longtime listeners of my stuff would know. So it was just, like, it was a very one of the more unique manias that I watched in a different place. Um, but I remember it well. Like, I remember being very excited for Roxena. I thought the card, you know, in place was pretty good. There's one match coming up that's interesting that we're going to talk about that we haven't really touched on at all the way this build has happened. So it'll be cool to talk about in a few minutes. But and it's one of the anchor matches. Uh, so why don't you go ahead and, and run down the card, Marcus, and we'll get right into it. Absolutely. Uh, I guess on the DVD exclusive match, we've got Primo and Epico uh, with M- Rosa Mendez defending the tag team titles against Justin Gabriel and Tyson Kidd and Dusos. They got about five minutes. Um, Yeah, I wish we would have been able to watch that one because that one sounds kind of fun. Mm. I'll Uh, get the DVD. It's on there. (laughs) I think I might have it, maybe. I I do. Uh, What was the last DVD? I was actually cleaning out my my back closet the other night, uh, the other day, when we were just kind of doing some stuff over uh, one of the weekends. And I was like, my DVD shelf is like in that back closet as we're cleaning out. I was like looking at some of the DVDs I had and I had the same thought as you. I think it was around, I think it was right when the network started. So I remember I ordered like a few that they had like a big sale, like in like 14. It was like the Foley one, the Lawler one. Like I got a punk maybe, I think. And I never even opened them because like the network hit right around the same time. And I don't think I've bought one since. Yeah. I think the WrestleMania, 29 i know that was the last show dvd i i bought um and yeah maybe the punk like there's like the punk the jericho yeah, the dvd they yeah they all come out around the same time i think those are some of the last dvds i bought for like the documentaries and i never used uh, to really even buy the pay-per-views after a while because on on uh, classics on demand 24 7 they'd show them three months later and i would just record them on there so i have like all the pay-per-views from you know, 07, 08, 09, 10, like all that stretch on tape still uh, from that, from just banging off 24 seven when they would air them a few months later, which was a really cool service at the time. The mania DVDs I always bought though. So I have, yeah. I have those. Yeah. And they were fun too. Cause like for a while they'd come with the hall of fame. Uh, I think 20 is the one they might've sold the hall of fame separately, but I think all the other ones, the hall. Right. Yeah. 20 was its own. Included. Uh, own disc, but 20 also 20 was a pretty big set though because it came uh it's got mania it's got that mania of wrestlemania movie do you remember that oh yeah that's right they they're making that at 19 right yes that's where austin like they have all the behind the scenes stuff of him and his issues um and also had the uh greatest wrestlemania matches countdown which i think is which one sean and brett won finished number one where flair hosts it that's all in that set on 20. So that's a pretty good set. And then, yeah, the Hall of Fame, it's his own DVD. Yeah. Uh, I miss that now. I miss all that extra content. Uh, but starting off this show, uh, we've got Sheamus winning the world title by defeating Dan O'Brien uh, in what they're going to say, I guess, is record time, 18 seconds. Uh, I went three. How'd you feel? 
I went three as well. And I, I've, I've been on record on this one quite a bit that I actually liked the way that this was done. And I only say that because Brian was never going to win. Like Seamus was always going to be the guy to beat him here. Mm-hmm. And I think the way they did this as much in the moment as it felt like they were jobbing Brian, cutting him at the knees. And I know this is, it sounds easy in hindsight, but I felt this way like right around the same time anyway. Um, I thought this did more for him than if he would have lost like a eight minute match. You know what I mean? Like unless they're going to give them 20 minutes to put on a classic, like they do in a future pay-per-view coming up after this, mm-hmm. uh, like, and they weren't ever going to get that much time on the show. That's for sure. Uh, then to me, if they get eight, nine, 10 minutes and it's like just very good, doesn't do nearly as much for Brian as this perception of him getting fucked and pissing the crowd off. Uh, riling them up and driving him to continue to be a top guy that ends up propelling him by the end of the year. Like it pushes the yes stuff to overdrive. Um, so I just think, I think the way they do this in the end ends up actually being more beneficial than if he just loses like a very good match in eight minutes or something, which is what it would have been. If you look at the card, they were never going to get the time to tell like an awesome story. So, um, that's always been my thought on it. I think it's a memorable moment, the kiss of AJ and then the kick. It ends up making Brian belligerent toward AJ. And like, that's a big storyline coming up for better or worse. So I just think there's a lot cooking here. And I thought it was a really cool way to start the show off. And yes, you risk pissing off the crowd, but in the end it helps because the crowd rallies Brian and pushes this push into overdrive. Yeah. And that's the other thing is like, it's done well. And I think like you can almost make any booking decision good or bad, as long as it's done in an entertaining way. And like this was like, sure. Is it bad booking perhaps to have Brian lose so quickly on the surface? Sure. But it was entertaining. You got the kiss with AJ, you've got him eating the bro cake, uh, you know, and then, you know, him kind of uh, processing what happened afterwards and Seamus winning. Like it was all very entertaining. Um, and I and like the story. Really bury him. Like, I think it, it kept him strong because it's a fluky thing. Yeah. Like he walked into a kick and got pinned. Like it's like he got squashed like warrior and honky where he just like Seamus just beat the shit out of him straight up. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, yeah, he attacks him from behind with his finisher and pins him. Like it just it's like just a quick knockout. Yeah. And it even follows the story that like we've kind of seen with Brian's uh, over the last couple shows. Like he wins the title in a sneaky fashion. And then like he kind of completes the like. The, the dick turn at uh, Royal Rumble, uh, you know, escaping narrowly by, you know, get, uh, getting away from Big Show's grasp. Uh, you know, he gets a win over Santino uh, last in the Elimination Chamber. And so here, when he's facing a bruiser, uh, you know, what's going to happen? Like, this character is going to get kicked in the face and lose quickly, like when he actually has to confront somebody that's bigger than him and tougher than him. So, like, it's... Like you said, like it's what should have happened. Like if they weren't going to get 20 minutes to have an all-time match, I'd much rather prefer like a moment over eight or nine minute solid match. Agreed. I'm with you. I think we're on lockstep on this one. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got Kane defeating the Viper, Randy Orton. Uh, I went 275 yeah, same here. It's a very solid match. Uh, it's a nice little bounce for Kane coming off that really shitty Cena stuff that we talked about last episode. Uh, and Orton, you know, it's in some ways it feels like a step down for him. And I always feel this way. This is, to me, one of the benefits of watching season style that we're doing 
is you see who really gets rewarded and kind of hosed at Mania after the year they had to build up to it, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of watching Mania third and not getting that full picture, where if you just watch the Rumble to Mania stretch, if you're going by the calendar year, you may think like Orton, okay, like whatever. Like he's just kind of around and here it's just a random match. But he dominated the season for us. He was like in all these title matches, had all these classics with Christian. Um, so it almost feels a bit like, uh, like he could have been in a better place, but he is on the card. He does get a solo match. He gets 10 minutes and, you know, Kane's uh, the main event level guy. So it definitely, um, you know, it definitely is a, a pretty solid spot. He does lose though, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to see them like not totally take the teeth out of Kane uh, after all the Cena stuff where he takes, you know, no decision and he's got the loss. Uh, it's nice to see him rebound, but also at the same time, we've seen so much investment in Orton. We've seen him unlock the season with Christian. So like we know what he's capable of. And this really felt like on par with Sheamus versus Brian um, as far as like match magnitude. I know they don't have the title, but uh, these are two big stars uh, on the SmackDown side of things. And I even know at the time there was like some discourse online of like, should this have been the world title match? And I think at the time I was like, yeah, it probably should have been like, if you're looking at like a match match, sure. Like they do a whole lot more than what Seamus and Brian did in 18 seconds. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, some time to process like, okay, obviously the right decision was made with keeping, uh, Seamus and Brian, the title match and putting the belt on Seamus, but Kane and Orton have like a really good match, and uh, I know they're going to have a rematch at Extreme Rules, which we will cover uh, when we do the uh, 12-13 season, and I'm looking forward to doing that because I, if I remember right, that one's like really good. Uh, but this is a good starter for WrestleMania. For sure. We're on a nice little roll, um, and the crowd is, is into it. The crowd's fully engaged. Yeah, uh, and that's going to keep going. Uh, as Cody Rhodes is going to lose the Intercontinental title to The Big Show. Uh, I went 2.25. Uh, however, it's one of those like, I don't know, when like a football team has like a, I guess now, what would it be? A seven and eight or seven and nine season, mm-hmm. whatever the math is like, you know, it's, sure. It's a tick below 500, but like it was better than what I expected. Yeah, I, I would say the same. Um, two and a quarter for me as well. I guess they finally give show his moment, right? That was kind of the story coming in here. Cody was mocking all his WrestleMania foibles that he had to this point. And he finally gets the win and has his WrestleMania moment, gets the IC belt. So it was kind of feel good, especially after you got kind of fucked in the world title picture with the Brian stuff. So fine, fine for what it is. It's not going to go down the list of classic IC title matches at Mania for sure. Um, kind of a tough end for Cody's title run, which has been pretty cool. But it is it is what it is. It gives show his moment. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, how we look at the the whole season and end with WrestleMania as opposed to, you know, being the third show that we start with or even the show that we start with. Um, because Big Show has been a really good part of the season, I think, overall. Um, uh, there's been a couple matches, uh, you know, where he's been asked to do too much, I think, with Mark Henry. Uh, and those guys have had to have a style of match that doesn't suit either of them, and they've probably had a match or two too many this season. But... Uh, Big Show's had some good performances, and he's been a, a good star for the SmackDown roster. So it was nice to see him finally get a WrestleMania moment because he's always been uh, the bridesmaid, never the bride at WrestleMania. Yep. Uh, 
Speaking of brides that I wish I had, uh, Maria Menounos <laughs> and Kelly Kelly are uh, going to defeat the team of Beth Phoenix and Eve Torres. I like this a good bit. I went two and a half. Yeah, I gave it a two. I, I thought it was solid. Yes, I'm a big Maria fan as well. Uh, you know, I, I think she is a really knowledgeable and uh, just an excitable wrestling fan. Like she always pops up. She knows her stuff. She obviously enjoys it. Uh, so I think she's a real good pro wrestling celebrity uh, to have out there in the world. And I thought this was fine. I know. I remember at the time people not being thrilled um, that she was in this match. Like I remember definitely some pushback that all these other women uh, work all year. And then she comes in and gets a spot, but that's just how it is. A mania. It happens. Mm-hmm. And She's clearly a fan, clearly, I, I thought, showed the respect to be there. Uh, and we've talked about the women's roster. I don't like who else gets a slot that's been, I mean, the bell is, I guess. I'm like, you know, what I mean, like, I, I don't know who else is even there that would have been fitting to have um, a slot in this match. So, like, it's fine. And it, the big story to the whole season has been Kelly versus Beth and even the mix. So, like, whatever. <laughs> like, like I, you know, what I mean, like, I guess it played off. Um, this, it paid off the big, big season long storyline with them. And, you know, the the poor Maria here with the she gets the uh, face makeup on her ass and it looks yeah. like she shit her pants. And I remember that being <laughs> a thing for a while, like her getting mocked. I felt bad um, yeah, but she definitely tough. does work hard and she's fine for celebrity appearance. Somebody you wouldn't think would probably deliver this level uh, does. So, again, I think it's fine given it. I think the only other thing you could have maybe done to just pay it off is done Kelly versus Beth versus Eve for the title and maybe give like Kelly a crowning moment or Beth just pins them both or something. And just have Maria and Kelly's corner. Maybe she hits a move, but I, I think this was fine. I just, it just doesn't fully pay off this, the season long story with the women, but right. close enough given who's in it. Right. Like this feels like this is a conclusion, but I don't have that feeling of finality at all. Um, given that we have tracked this whole storyline, this whole division uh, throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, I really like Maria, uh, Maria Menounos here. We got a big time matchup next, uh, halfway through the show, as it's the end of an era inside the Hell in a Cell. It is Triple H versus The Undertaker with Shawn Michaels as a special guest referee. The streak stays intact as Undertaker defeats Triple H. I struggled with this one. Yes. I went four. Um, I think that we can really break down uh, our ratings of this match here um, and see where they could have got more, you know, could have done less. Yeah. So I went three and three quarters. I think these are two of the most difficult matches to rate in WrestleMania history. They're their uh, duo here in 27, 28. I know like Chad loves 27, hates 28, right? Like, like I know people that are so divisive on both of these, like, I, I find very few like both. <laughs> like, I feel like you either love one and then hate one. Um, and it's interesting because we've really been deep diving this season and we haven't even sniffed anything about this match. Like it just pops up here <laughs> yeah. as the number two match on this card. And we had no talk about it at all. And it feels like a different triple H even like the triple H we were looking at throughout most of the season was the CEO and fucking around punk and Cena and Del Rio and like all this other shit. And an awesome truth. And now all of a sudden here he is in a prime mania match against um, the undertaker. Who's been out for a year. <laughs> like We haven't even seen him the whole season. Uh, he, he left after the match at 27 and makes his return to set this one up. So it's interesting. Uh, Sean is the ref and 
Yeah, I just it was just too heavy handed for me. Like the the pathos of Sean with all the crying and the I love you and the, you know, Triple H telling him to stay down and beating him over and over at the same time, but not pinning him like a lot of it just didn't connect. And it's like almost too dramatic. Like, and it's not a shock, right? Because that's the Triple H and Sean trope that they'd carry over to NXT years later as producers. Um, but it goes 31 minutes, and it is a spectacle. And I, it's one of those ones where I get why people love it, right? Like, I get it. Just rewatching it this time, like, it just did not fully click with me. No pun intended. All of the, all of the drama between the guys and the hug at the end, the end of an era. When, you know, Triple H and Taker will go on to have a bunch more matches and stuff like <laughs> it just it was just goofy, uh, that piece of it. So I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's really it's great, but it's just missing something to make it the all time five star classic that some people have it as. I just it didn't connect with me. And a big part is the Sean stuff. It's just so overdramatic. Um and Triple H again, just destroying Undertaker, yelling at him to stay down. Uh, we'll just pin him and win the match. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, just end it, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I had this match topping out at four and a half at one point. Um, and that's when they were like, they treated everybody in the match like a star. Triple H, Undertaker, Sean, uh, Jim Ross, as we have on commentary. Uh, but also, the cell itself was a star. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that. Like, they really ramped up the brutality I thought and like you could actually feel the toll that was being taken they did a really good job with the damage they were inflicting to each other in this match but you mentioned it there comes a point where Triple H starts yelling stay down Mm -hmm. yelling at Sean end it ask him quit just end it and I remember the TV from this Triple H is saying I have to face the Undertaker again to get rid of the Undertaker because I know there's a promo on like a Raw where he's like, the company's too dependent on The Undertaker at WrestleMania. Somebody needs to have right. a streak. And it needs to be me. And that's really cool for him as, you know, the COO character or, you know, uh, even even if he's not the COO or whatever at this time, like he's still some sort of uh, management figurehead, we all know. So I'm like, okay, that's a cool wrinkle to run with. But like, they just add in so many different elements of like, okay, is it going off of last year? Why does Triple H want to end this? But he wants to end this, but he's also mad at Sean because Sean didn't end it. Uh, but he's telling Sean to end it now. But Triple H is the king of kings. He's the barbarian. He's uh, the cerebral assassin. So mm-hmm. why doesn't he just end it when he said he was going to end it? Uh, you know, leading up to like, there's just so much stuff. It just like, it all negates. It all just takes away. It's it's just too much. Um, and that, like, stay down mm-hmm. bit in the match goes on for way too long. And then, like, Undertaker makes his comeback. And I don't know if they – I would be very surprised if they missed a cue or something. But, like, they do this – like, the Undertaker steps on the sledgehammer spot. They right. do that, like, two or three times. And then, like, yeah. they do it once with the chair as well. And it just felt like that's a moment you do once. And – you know, maybe twice if it's going to be straight into the finish. But they went back to that, what felt like three, if not four times, um, with like Triple H just not being able to deliver the the last shot with the equalizer. So it's gratuitous uh, drama. Yeah, it's just gratuitous. Like it, and it's a common theme for these guys. Like you could even throw SummerSlam 2 in the mix for gratuitous for them. I think it just worked best there. 
But then even look at their Hell in a Cell shit in 04. You know, like, there's just so much of it that was just way more than what was needed. And it continues, like we said, almost, you know, to this day with NXT. It's like these overdramatic pathos plays, just gratuitous stuff. And that's just the running theme with all of Triple H's big matches, even just from this point on. Whether it's Seth Rollins, whether it's Reigns. Like, everything is just meant to try and be this drawn-out classic that ends up being worse than it would have been if it was 15 minutes. <laughs> like, yep. not drawn out. Yeah, a classic nobody asked for, the forced classic. Right. Yeah. But our next matchup. Yeah, but I'm with you. I struggled on this grade for sure. Like, yeah. it'll be interesting when we do, um, not that I'm looking forward to 10 11, because I think it's <coughs> probably going to be the worst season of all time. But uh, that, uh, I am interested to see where we land on that taker Triple H um, to see if we're balanced more than most on the two of them. Hmm. Yeah, well, to reset from uh, all the pathos <laughs> that we got to experience, uh, we've got Team Johnny versus Team Teddy. This is a 12-man tag match to determine who will be the general manager for some reason of both Raw and SmackDown. Team Johnny is going to win this, and on Team Johnny we have David Otonga, Dolph Ziggler, Drew McIntyre, Jackie Swagger, Mark Henry, Mike The Miz, with Brie Bella, John Laurinaitis, and Vicky Guerrero at ringside. <laughs> and for Team Teddy, we have Booker T, Kofi Kingston, The Great Kali Says, R-Truth, Santina Morella, Zack Ryder, and they have with them Oksana, Eve Torres, Hornswoggle, Nikki Bella, and of course, holla, 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 Teddy Long. What a fucking debacle. And... <sighs> What gets me is like, look at some of the guys on these teams and it's just so depressing because these are guys that had such big seasons that we've watched. Like Mark Henry is the biggest one for me. Like he had such an awesome run in 2011 and then he's relegated to this where he's not even a focal point of the match. Same with Cody, uh, Kofi and Ziggler is another big one, right? Like he's been such a, workhorse in such big matches and then he's here just thrown in this stupid thing even Zack Ryder to an extent you know it's like just it felt this is more GM politics stuff that like no one's interested in I would have been better I think this would have been better off if they did a battle royal mm-hmm. and just have like the winner get some kind of title match or something like would have been more fun the highlight to me is is John Laurinaitis's white suit <laughs> like other than that <laughs> It's just such a forgettable mania match. Like before the match, I couldn't even told you who was on all the teams. Like it's just, and it's just, it was, it was extra shitty. Awesome truth. Like, like it was just extra shitty when you see it after watching that whole season, all these guys involved in it, having played big roles end up just like slogged into this match. That's all about John Laurinaitis. Right. And, you know, not to, go back too much but you know look at that undertaker triple h match which got almost 31 minutes plus the video packages plus the entrances i mean you're looking at almost a 45 minute segment there and if you trim some of that up like you could take ziggler and and rider like they could have a fun six minute match on this card um to kind of cap off their feud that's been uh boiling this season or have henry go over someone to reestablish himself like have him beat booker if you want to get booker mania match you know right like there's tons of options here. You could like you could add two matches to this card if you shave off a couple minutes from the cell, 
Um, and it, it really helps out this match. Um, and you just turn this match, like you said, like turn into a battle royal. And, you know, a battle royal doesn't even need to go 10 minutes. It can move a lot faster. Um, but, yeah, the logistics, like why are we fighting? Why why does Teddy or Johnny want to be the GM of both Raw and SmackDown? Like that defeats the whole purpose of having GMs. Nothing makes sense. Um, you know, we get the Eve turn at the end. Uh, Team Johnny is going to win this one. Like I said, I went uh, 2.25 on this. Yeah. Yep. Same. Oh, uh, no, actually, I went to even worse. Just it's just it's just not even like entertaining. And then, yeah, the turn at the end is just awful with Eve and Zach. Yes, just yeah. all of it. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to finish strong as we've got for the WWE title. CM Punk is going to retain by defeating Chris Jericho. I went three and a half on this match. I went four. I really like this match. I thought it was really well worked. They have nice chemistry. Again, we talked about it on our last show, how this is like such a big benefit of Jericho being back in the company to help buoy matches like this and just be a, a great worker that can throw into feuds. Um, I thought this is really well worked. The back and forth uh, was entertaining. Uh, I thought Jericho worked a very smart match, a believable match. And the crowd actually was more into Jericho here than I would, you would expect over punk um, yeah. throughout it. So I, I really, really like this one. I think it's kind of a hidden gem title match at mania. Yeah, I I appreciate the fact they had like a different match. It was very like submission counter heavy um, and like Punk switching up his hips uh, in the finish there. Like that was a cool moment. Uh, something that would like probably even translate a lot better now. Um, it might have been like a little bit ahead of its time, even though it was at the same time, like very current uh, mm-hmm. with like the popularity of UFC and everything like that. Um, but yeah, three and a half for me, four for you. Uh, that leads us to our main event. Once in a lifetime, wink, wink, as The Rock, the hometown boy, is going to defeat John Cena. I went four and a quarter. Me too. I think this is a great Mania Man event. I think it's a slightly poor man's version of Hogan Warrior, mm. um, which is, uh, you know, obviously I, I would have it higher than this, but not not by much. But it felt very similar to me, like a passing of the torch, the two biggest stars, but like a God's match, not just like a Brett Sean type match or something, or not a, even a Hogan Andre where like you have like a giant, this was like two just muscled up gods <laughs> yes. throwing down, throwing bombs and beating the shit out of each other. Uh, you know, I remember at the time being surprised rock one, but in retrospect, it's pretty obvious when you look back that <laughs> he'd probably win in Miami for his big return. Um, which is a really cool moment. I mean, the crowd just goes fucking ballistic when he wins. Uh, and to see him. So I, I thought he delivered, especially when you consider yet, like you said, he hadn't had a singles match since 2003. Because even in yeah. 04, he comes back, he only has the tag. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, we're talking a pretty long stretch, nine years, no singles wrestling matches. So step in at WrestleMania in your hometown and put on a 30 minute war with, you know, the top guy. Like, that's that's a super dream match right there. One of the few times I have no issue with the title match not closing Mania <laughs> at all. Like, this had to be the main event. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. And they do a really good job with, like, all the hoopla going into it with the musical performances. I really enjoyed that. Uh, you know, we can break that down later uh, in card structure and stuff like that. But uh, what you said was perfect. It's two gods. Like, it's not David Goliath. It's not even, like goliath versus bigger goliath um it's not the work rate match like sean brett like 
this is just two gods in a bomb fest trying to see like who the stronger god is. <laughs> like it was right. It was really fun to see. And so like the only comparison I think uh, accurately is Hogan Warrior. Um, and you know just I, I don't think anything's going to touch Hogan Warrior when you're talking about that style of matchup. But uh, well, and this... it meant it meant more like because like here scene is already established too. Like like it. You know, it, it wasn't really a passing of the torch per se, because Cena already had the torch. But um, th- that's a big bump to me for Hogan Warriors. What it meant for Warrior that Hogan uh, hadn't lost really at all. So like it, it just meant it just meant more in general. Yeah, like the dynamic here is like, are they really going to have the Rock come in and beat John Cena, who like right. is pretty much untouchable? Right. And yes, yes, they are. Yeah, and it's it delivered. I mean, it was a big money match that fully delivered. Yeah. Okay. All right. So overall match quality, uh, the way we do it is we consider a 2.5 to be a uh, replacement level match. So we take our average grade of the match or the main event. We average out to four and a quarter. And then we uh, just do a little plus minus from 2.5. So that gives that a 1.75 above replacement. We sum up all the matches, brings us a 4.5 total match grade, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, for sure to be that high. For example, like our last show, the Royal Rumble was negative 0.5, Elimination Chamber 1.75. So to come in at four and a half out of the gate on the plus minus scale is a big one for this show. Uh, so why don't we dive into our categories? Let's start with builds. We gave a point for them being all in on Cena Rock for a year and it delivering as the main event. Uh, Kane getting revenge on Randy Orton, who had injured him to put him out. Uh, Cody and Big Show focusing on show shortcomings. And even though it's in the end ends up being maligned, the actual build to the theory of end of an era with Triple H and, and Taker with Sean as a ref was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, for the minuses, we got uh, lack of storyline, really, for Brian and Sheamus. It's pretty much just like your basic win the Royal Rumble, so I'm going to face you at WrestleMania because that's what the win of the Royal Rumble does. No real personal issue there. Uh, all the stuff with Team Teddy versus Team Johnny, as we talked about. Uh, a bit of a lack of build for the Divas tag um, and not having Beth defend her title after months and months of title defenses and um, really not being able to have finality there with uh, Eve and Kelly Kelly. Uh, we got a waste of Mark Henry after his dominant run this season. And uh, I know he's going to be injured, but it did really suck to not see Christian uh, after his amazing 2011 run. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, I'm sure he was injured. So it feels unfair to ding them for this. But to not even be on the show, like in some capacity, after being such a key cog throughout the rest of the year, like just felt like a miss. Sick him with Foley in the in the seafood thing. Like like whatever the fuck it could be. Like that. he should have been. They have so many people out there at ringside. Why can't he not be at ringside? Right. Yeah, have me on Team Teddy outside or whatever, you know, or or even if he's with Johnny Ace, like stick it to Teddy for screwing him all up. like something. Just have him do something on the show. Yeah, yeah I felt like a miss. So it's actually a negative one for Bills, which is surprising because uh, the show did feel well hyped. But uh, it's going to make up another categories for sure. Commentary gave uh, two points for Taker Triple H, which I thought uh, Jr who I'm a firm believer did not have his fastball by this point, brought it for this match. I thought he was excellent. And they all did a really good job putting over the importance of that one. They told a good story for Kane and Orton. Uh, they did a really good job detailing all Big Show's mania troubles. Jim Ross in general, I thought was great on the show. Again, uh, I was impressed by him because it's a guy that I didn't feel was really getting it done consistently anymore by this point. And then a great job laying out during the main event entrances. Wanted to give him credit for that. They don't talk at all during Cena and Rock coming out, which I thought added to the drama. Yeah, they're on their best behavior for that. And uh, Jim Ross said uh, that 
Toby Keith song that JBL would always reference, you know, not being as good as you once were, but being good uh, once as you ever were. Uh, that was Jim Ross on this night. He really brought it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the John Wayne uh, the cuffs on for sure. Uh, as far as the minuses, uh, heavy handed during Cena versus Rock. Um, like you said, like you could have the action speak for itself. Right. Um, we all see like these are two gods going at it. We we realize this is like a what we thought was once in a lifetime match. Uh, but like we recognize the gravity and like they just try too hard to add the gravity to that match. Um, they were phony during the Johnny versus Teddy with like uh, uh, power dynamics and you know the stakes there. Uh, they were consistent, inconsistent. Excuse me. Uh, during Cody versus Show, on one hand, they're mocking the Big Show for, uh, you know, always being a loser and and never being able to win the big one, and how Cody has brought prestige to the Intercontinental Title. But then, like, as soon as Show wins, they flip it to like, what a big moment for the Big Show. Uh, you know, we knew that he could do it. This is an incredible moment. Uh, right. What a great Intercontinental Champion. Uh, like, wh- like what? Uh, those, those two truths like can't really exist at the same time. Uh, and then commentary felt way too prepped for the quick KO in the World Heavyweight title match with Sheamus and Daniel Bryan. Um, they were definitely prepared for it, and it played off like that. So that gives us a two total on commentary, which, you know, in a retrospect of the season, the commentary was such a net negative throughout the whole year. Uh, it, you know, came up for them here with a couple of positives. So good on them to deliver in the big spot. But I think the one consistency is, again, I'll, I'll take the Mia couple. Like whenever Jr. showed up, the commentary is much better. <laughs> the few yep. shows he did, um, it just wasn't enough of them to really salvage. We had Cole King and Booker for most of the year, and just not not a lot of great stuff there. Yep. All right, notable moments. Uh, I'm sorry, no atmosphere is up next. The Great Beach theme set was awesome. It was one of the best sets, honestly, they've done. Yeah, it was really good. Looked awesome. Uh, We gave two points here because the crowd was electric for the two big matches, for the Cell and for Roxena. They really just leaned in and uh, were were you know fantastic to help carry those matches along. Great reaction too for Seamus Bryan and for Show um, Cody with the two big title changes. Uh, the crowd added a lot to, to uh, Punk and Jericho. Uh, great use of environment, the open air environment, fireworks and visuals look really cool outdoors. Uh, big pop for Big Show coming out as well. Uh, also, a really cool moment when Undertaker unveils a new haircut, <laughs> the short hair, the mohawk, when he un- takes off his robe. Like It was like a ooze and ahs, which is neat. And also a big pop for Skinny Preppy Edge uh, when he came out for his moment in the sun there. <laughs> yeah um as far as the minuses uh the crowd was pretty down for teddy the teddy versus johnny match hard to blame them also down on the divas tag which i can blame them for uh mm-hmm. they were they, they could have been a lot kinder to that match uh and they didn't really seem to be fans of uh the late concerts that we got um personally i was uh you know we can talk about that in notable moments of importance but uh the crowd for whatever reason was just not digging it not at all. But overall, that is a six for atmosphere, which is huge. And I think it's fitting given the awesome look and feel and everything surrounding the show. So that makes sense to me. I think this is a big make or break category, Marcus. You would expect the mania to have a lot of big notable moments uh, and importance. And this may be the category that separates us from being a top tier show and like the next tier down type show. So let's see if it delivers. Uh, we gave two points for the kiss of death. And the fans supporting Brian, because that finish ends up being such a 
big time moment in Brian's next step forward. So two points for that. We also gave a point for the world title change in general, with Sheamus winning the belt, a point for Big Show winning the IC title, a point for Jim Ross making his return to the Mania booth. Gave it a point to the concerts by Flo Rida and uh, Machine Gun Kelly and Skylar Gray. We gave a point for Rock's homecoming, uh, a point for the suits for Johnny and Teddy. Both look uh, awesome. The white and the blue suits. Uh, we gave a point for Maria Menounos's performance and a point for Undertaker's new presence with his new haircut and look. So a lot of positives there. Uh, will the negatives outweigh, though? Well, let's see. Uh, we've got a really poor aging Brodus Clay and Dancing Mamas segment uh, towards the back end of the show. Uh, unfortunately, meaningless end of an era match and stipulation. Uh, we went minus two there because uh, end of an era like that carries a lot of uh, gravitas with it. And mm-hmm. what we got was not the end of an era, especially with like the hugging and. Uh, you know, canoodling up on the stage like, like it was it was such a good ending um, and, and they blew it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the meaningless Teddy versus uh, Teddy Johnny Stip burial of Ryder and the Eve heel turn. Uh, we, I just want to pause because I didn't really talk about that, but it was awful. Like it was so telegraphed and fake. And like when Eve gets in the ring and does a stupid fucking fist pump and with Ryder, like. That's my one problem with Eve all along is that she's just like over the top fake in her motions. Like it feels like she's acting instead of natural. And that was fully on display here. And then the turn is like, why did we need this turn? Like we've already destroyed Zach enough. He's already been such a bitch. Like, did she need to turn to end this match? They feel like so fucking just a turn for a turn's sake. Um, I, I didn't care for that at all. Yeah, and like she was already te- like tag teaming with Beth, so like we know she's a heel, but er- like right. Ryder's the only person who doesn't know she's a heel. Um, like I don't, I don't think you need the kick of the nuts there. And I think even the way they did it pissed me off even more. Like it was just so stupid. Yeah. Uh, waste of Foley and Santino in the deadliest catch without the crab segment. <laughs> um, oh, that, that I didn't like that at all. Uh, Cody's title reign uh, feels cut short, even though it is a good moment for Big Show. Mm-hmm. And uh, over the top, emotional Shawn Michaels. Very uh, emotional. Yeah, lucky you don't go kid. minus two there. I should I should have went minus five there. <laughs> the emo kid. Um, the deadliest catch segment is disappointing because at this point we're on a streak of like mania always having a cool moment with like the legends and celebrities in the back. Uh, you'd always get kind of the goofy stuff with Simmons or DiBiase or Steamboat. Like you'd always get a cool little bit, and like this was really the only one we got. Um, and it felt like kind of a letdown with with uh, Foley just being with those guys in the back. Like, it wasn't that funny. Um, at least Santino got the match later, so that wasn't, like, his only moment. But, yeah. Yeah, it's Miami. You could have done something cool with, like, Razor Ramon or, uh, you know, I don't know. You could have made a bunch of phone calls and done something cool there with all the legends. But, uh, you know, yeah, we, that was about it. didn't give a point for, but it's it's fine. Um, we'll factor it into the concerts with Flo Rida throwing Heath Slater to the fucking wall, which, which is a pretty <laughs> memorable moment on this show. That uh, was good. We'll, we'll count it as part of the performances, but it was, yeah, that was funny. It was still, still pop me to this day. Fucking chucks the shit out of him to the wall. That was good. Uh, I think they even play off that, like, when Flo Rida, like, comes to Raw, like, a couple years yes. later or something. Like, Yeah, they do. They call back, go to, back to it. All right, so sadly, that only nets out to a two uh, for notable moments. So kind of disappointing, I think, for a mania. Uh, I think this, the negatives really cut into all those positives severely. So I think it's going to end up hurting this where it finishes overall. 
Uh, match grades went, of course, was up early. It was a four and a half, which is good. Card structure, uh, good placement for the Hell in a Cell right in the middle of the card. Kind of, you know, ends the first half and sets us up at the back end. Uh, the Dewey title and Roxena were in a good spot as well, along with the Cell, and then well-paced for a longer show as well. It didn't feel super long. They did a nice job kind of breaking things up and, and moving through. Yeah, the show really flew by Yep, in general. Um, but uh, for the minuses, the first three matches, they felt too similar and need mm-hmm. to be broken up. And uh, what I mean by that is uh, you kind of had like David versus Goliath a bit in all three matches. Right. Um, and so, yeah, you could have you could have broke those up, maybe put the uh, the team Johnny versus Teddy tag a little bit earlier or something. But um, did not need the Brodus Clay dancing mama segment at all. Oh, that was awful, especially at that point of the night. It's like, do we really need this at the end of the night? Like it just, Yeah. And it wasn't yeah. funny. No one gave a shit with all the moms dancing and all that. Like, it just... That, that could no. have been backstage with the Legends or something. Maybe he dances with all the Legends or something like that. Yeah. Um, and again, like, you could have took some of that time, done a backstage segment, and give give the rest of the time to, like, a battle royal. And then pull people out from, you know, the team Johnny versus Teddy thing, uh, you know, and have matches. But uh, continue. Diva Pride hype video felt really forced. Uh, that was right before the tag match with the Divas. Uh, too much lag before the main event. Like, mm-hmm. it felt like they were killing time. Uh, and I don't blame the crowd. Like, they wanted to get to it. Like, they wanted to see the main event. They knew one match was left. And, uh, it, I mean, it's it's a long time before, uh, you know, the bell rings from uh, the end of the ma- end of the WWE title match to the beginning of Roxena. It's a long time. It's a long stretch. The crowd gets antsy. And it was stuff we didn't need. (laughs) Like, it just could have been done without it to get us there. Um, All right, so negative two for card structure, which, again, like, the show's taken some bullets where I think perception is that it's one of the better end manias, but I don't know. I don't know if it's going to wash out for us. Rewatchability, though, gets a few points here. Uh, Seamus Bryan is is a fun moment to rewatch. Cena Rock uh, is a... Uh, obviously an all-time classic to watch and uh the theme music for the cell always pops me when it's getting lowered i could watch that all the time yeah like i love how they uh present the cell like it's a it's a star it's another it's like metallica playing it down right yeah. I mean, it's uh, fucking intense yeah that's that's cool um for the minuses we only have the end of an era of pathos uh just dragging on yeah, I do not want to watch that again, for sure. But then that's out to a two. Uh, we get one point for Roxena being all-time match. No negatives. So that's good. That gives us a total, Marcus, of 14.5, which right. I got to tell you is good. But I thought coming in, this would have been higher. Like, I, I always picture this as being a, a higher-level mania. And I'm going to think of the higher-level mania as, as probably finishing up into the 20s um, maybe i'm wrong maybe we'll see how things fall out mm. but i think this really got hurt by the build not being as strong as you would think uh and the negative moments really slicing off the the positives and then some of those issues with the card structure like that lag for the main event those those few things really end up taking a major dent, dent in the show uh of something that could have really popped because it has a really cool atmosphere and some great matches but when you factor it all in, it just is still um, maybe it's toward like that second tier more than like the top tier. Yeah. Um, and just looking like where we have it ranked so far, um, less than a full war point ahead of Capital Punishment 2011. Like, yes. think about that. Like, that's mm-hmm. wild. Um, this show, even like probably should have been ahead of Survivor Series as well. Um, like this yeah. show should have been much better. Uh, 
you know, getting into it and breaking it down. And, um, you know, overall, I think it's, it's good. Like it's, you know, it's top five for us so far, but, um, the, a lot of potential, a lot of meat left yeah. on the bone. It's going to slide down that list. Um, yeah, for sure. So yeah, it's our fourth show, uh, right now, fourth place, but it's, I mean, it's over four points below survivor series 11, which you probably wouldn't have thought come again and almost 10 points behind SummerSlam 11. So it's, yeah, it's definitely hurt by some of the, the stuff that detracts from it. I think it's missing maybe one more. You know, I think us being low on lower maybe than some on Cena Taker probably didn't help. And because that that took a lot of dings, like the whole match and feud, like ding did yeah. for us. So that did not help at all. But all right, uh, listen. What does help is North South Connection. How you can help is by rating us, reviewing us on any podcatcher app. And share us around with a friend. We appreciate it. We have tons of great content, some timely, some evergreen, a lot of wrestling, some not, some classic shows, some new shows, heavily focusing on uh, the PTBNG WWE, the greatest duty wrestler ever project this year. Going to have some content around that. Inching toward Mania season as well in 2022. So we'll be having some stuff previewing that show as well. And just a lot of cool stuff, Marcus, that I'm super proud of all the content we continue to turn out here. Yeah, we've got a great team. Uh, just turn out the, the content, um, original ideas, uh, great delivery, great minds. So I, I love all the offerings here on uh, North South Connection. And uh, you know, not to hype you up too much, not to toot your own horn, but too too. I really love uh, Behind the Connection. I think it's a great idea. Uh, I like you know, it just kind of gets rolled out there and and getting to hear you and somebody else get to know each other and uh, you know, just talk wrestling and fandom for. You know, an hour, hour and a half, or however long. Like, it's a really fun listen. No, thanks. It's been a lot of fun to do. It's been one of those ones in the back of my head for a while. And it's just, like I said, I try to give the vibe of just me and someone sitting on my couch with wrestling on, just bullshitting about being wrestling fans. And that's what the show aims to be. So I'm, I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, and uh, as for my podcast offerings, you can head on over to the soon to be named network where myself and not the tool man Tim Taylor from Viewer's Choice right here. Uh, north south connection we have our own podcast called final wrestling place where we break down the nouns professional wrestling and we put them into either a good place or a bad place and right now uh we should be wrapping up or uh in the middle of our 21 and up season uh our season 21 and to commemorate that it is uh things in wrestling that might have shocked you or uh, should have been for mature eyes than when you were a child uh for instance sensational sherry trying to flate the ultimate warrior at Royal Rumble 1991, can't wait to cover that <laughs> in this project uh, and things along that line. So, mm-hmm. uh, having a lot of fun with uh, Tim over there. All right. It is now time for our season end awards, Marcus. Uh, I like doing this. It's a lot of fun to really put a bow on the season. Talk about uh, the positives and negatives, some by the numbers, some just kind of by gut feel. And we'll get into that by talking about our MVP of the year. Um, So, you know, I think going in, it was fairly obvious to me. I think a a couple of guys gave a run for the money. But at the end of the day, it had to be CM Punk, Uh, just based on money in the bank alone. But also his, you know, SummerSlam match was great. Then he's got the bounce back after the lull in the fall. He finishes really strong. Um, has a ton of title matches, a lot of wins. It is, it, this is his season when you think about it. And he ends it by defending the world title of Mania. 
yeah, even when he is in a bit of a lull, which is, um, I mean, really he's almost got two stri- two lull stretches. Um, but like that first lull stretch to start off the season, it's still like above replacement. The stuff mm-hmm. with Orton and the stuff with Mysterio is all really good. And of course, all time stuff at Money in the Bank. Um, and then you know he writes a ship to, in the second end of the season. Um, you know, with the title defenses and the, uh, I think you had a great comparison. Uh, you know, 1993. Bret Hart vibes. Uh, that's always going to tug at my heartstrings. So, uh, well deserved MVP for Punk. Um, if we weren't going to give it to Punk, uh, who do you think was like next up? I mean, we talked about it. I think Dolph Ziggler is in the mix, uh, given his workhorse run and being in a lot of different title matches and always being focused on. I think Cena is in the conversation. Even though he's got the blip with Kane, like, you know, he had some good stuff. Obviously, he's involved with Punk in the two big ones. Got the fun match with R-Truth. But he did have the shit with Miz, which was not yeah. good. Um, so I think he's, like, on the list. But then you also got, like, Orton, who had a great season. Christian, like, you know, we did have some choices. But I, I think just Punk is so synonymous with the year. Yeah, yep. Couldn't agree more. MVP CM Punk. Uh, what about our Silver Slugger? All right, so Silver Slugger is just a pure metric uh, award. It's whoever had the best average match grade. I think we said, what, at least uh, a quarter of the shows, I think we had yes, I said. So. Like, yeah, so uh, that that is Christian. He had an average match grade of 3.95, which wow. is pretty awesome. Uh, so for my comparison, Bret Hart in 94-95 was at 3.75. So <clears throat> Yale paced Bret Hart that year. He had uh, just some great matches. Obviously, it's all the Orton series. Just completely carries him. But he's got the really good match with Del Rio to kick off the season when he wins the world title. All the Orton matches, plus the series of Sheamus, which we really like toward the back end as well. Yeah. So a great season for Christian. Uh, our Vin Scully Award for the best announcer slash team of the season. Like I wasn't going anywhere near Cole, Booker, <laughs> Lawler. Like All those guys were just not fun. I mean, Booker tries, but... It just wasn't working. So I give it to, you know, and, and talking to you, we agreed on Jim Ross. Like, yeah, he just the times he was there, steadied the ship. He was great at Mania. Uh, to me, he's the only net positive of the announced teams this year. Yeah, like like you said, he doesn't have his fastball anymore. Um, He may not be as good as he was in, in mm-hmm. the 90s or uh, early 90s in WCW. But like when he steps into the booth, I think the booth is in, is in like such rough shape at this point. Yes. He automatically brings it up to replacement level. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that takes a lot of work. So well deserved for good old JR. All right. Our Mendoza award for the worst average match grade. Poor Kelly Kelly uh, comes in at 1.86. So not good. Not as bad as Undertaker at 94, 95, but just <laughs> a, a series of just not good matches at all. Uh, in all our matches with Beth with, with Brie Bella, just all that stuff piled up. She had the one good one with Beth. And then the Mania match is good, um, but not enough to, to salvage her being the worst performer of the year by a rate standpoint. Yep. And once again, that is, uh, you know, purely a metric award. So mm-hmm. nothing personal against Kelly Kelly or the Divas. I don't think any of us are like just diva bashers. No, like, no. Oh, it's a Divas not. match. It's going to suck. Like, no, like that's not our outlook. But Kelly had a, a really rough season. Mm-hmm. They did not set her up for success at all. Uh, asked to do way too much and uh, put in a bad spot. Yes. Just in general. So. All right. She does not win our least valuable player, though, our LVP. That goes to Michael Cole, who was brutal in the ring with all the Jim Ross stuff and Lawler stuff uh, early in the season. And then just terrible on commentary throughout the rest of the season. He'd have his moments, 
but most of it was mired in him trying to do the shtick, the gimmick, shitting on Punk, shitting on, um, you know, uh, Zack Ryder, just like all this other stuff, just miring down, bogging down shows. He was easily the worst part of, and he's on every show, <laughs> the whole show, uh, for most of them. So just not not a good time with Michael Cole this season. No, we saw glimpses, glimpses of hope um, when he actually like acts like a journalist when he right. does like get his investigation hat on and uh, you know talking about how Triple H treats employees and um, Miz and and our truth and conspiracy stuff like that was the right direction to head down with Michael Cole and they just abandon it and you know for it he gets LVP uh, especially like the stuff in the ring at the beginning of the year like oh my gosh it's it just goes like it's what is, is it two or three shows we've got Cole in the ring? But it's it's way too many. Two, like, I think it's two, but it feels like a lot. Yeah, it's over within. I mean, thankfully we didn't have Mania, so I think it was just uh, Extreme Rules and, and ends it over the limit, I believe. Okay. Right? Yes. Yeah. But I don't think it goes to Capital Punishment. No, but uh, even though it felt yeah. like Capital Punishment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you have for our best performance of the year? So best performance of the year, we agreed upon uh, CM Punk at Money in the Bank 11. Just I don't know how you top that in front of the home crowd with that storyline, that, that performance, five star match, like just crushed it. Just that that is the performance of the season. Yeah. And if you go back and listen or if you remember that episode, uh, you know, we talk about the style of matchup that him and Cena have. And it's really a revolutionary match in WWE. It's very reversal heavy. It messes with your expectation of, you know, what move is going to come. Uh, and, you know, they go back to revisit it. So. Uh, it's it's a match you can still like find it today like a lot of matches still steal from this match um so a great performance by punk is at money in the bank 2011 all right rookie of the year was a tough one so we give this to anyone who made their pay-per-view debut in the season they could not be on any other pay-per-views before this and there weren't many choices i think unico was one uh but we ended up going to maria Marinos, who debuts at mania has a, a pretty good showing, a pretty good match. She worked hard. She put the respect and the time in. And with the lack of really nothing else going on, we felt it was well enough to honor her. Absolutely. Like, we could always just not give out the award if nobody is, you know, deserving or nobody mm-hmm. qualifies. But, uh, you know, Unico, good spot with uh, Orton at Survivor Series. Um, but I, I don't think that's enough. Uh, you know, definitely not Sin Cara. Uh, he had a really rough year, so... Uh, Maria felt good. Like I really enjoyed her WrestleMania performance and wish we got more of her during the season. Like I wish, you know, she would have been around the rumble or something like that. Cause uh, welcome site. All right. So most main events, uh, this, I think we knew this going in, but it was good to just solidify it. John Cena with 10 main events in the season. So out of 13 shows, main events, 10 of them. And uh, not bad. I mean, one card he wasn't on one card was the rumble. And then, was the other one? I guess one of the punk. Oh, so I was serious. Oh no, they made event that right. Uh, night champions. No, uh, because uh, I think punk and yeah, triple H was that main event. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, and we did give him credit for SummerSlam, even though Del Rio does have the cash in. Uh, right. Punk and Cena is the advertised main event and operates as the main event. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I thought that was right, giving him the main event there. Agreed. All right, most matches won was our MVP, CM Punk. He won eight matches in this season, and that's including the four. He, I mean, he lost four in that little stretch in the fall. So, again, pretty damn rock-solid season for CM Punk. Yeah, uh, that's, that's incredible that he could have 
that that streak of four losses, uh, you know, starting with the end of SummerSlam, um, and still still win with uh, eight matches. And I think if anything, it kind of shows like how 50-50 the booking and match results are in the company. Um, the fact that like Punk can lose four straight and still nobody can catch up with him. And with overall, like, you know, I guess eight is, I don't know if that's a high number. I guess we'll see as we uh, get more similar seasons in, but it doesn't feel like an outrageously high number, but nobody could, nobody could touch him. Nobody could catch up. Right. All right. Most title matches. Uh, we have a tie here between our MVP and one of our runners up CM Punk and Dolph Ziggler each had nine title matches in this season, which is a hefty amount. Yeah, uh, and Ziggler is helped by the double duty. Uh, a couple yes. of shows he does tag match, which is for the tag titles, and then he defends the United States title. So, yeah, uh, nice, nice to see Dolph recognizing the award column. Most matches lost, The Miz with nine losses. Oof. And this guy started as WWE champion at the beginning of the season, and then went full honky tonk tank mode. Um, not only did he, was he world champion in the beginning and had a defense. He also was in like a main event angle with with Awesome Truth. So it's not like he was just like jobbing to no one. It's just a weird season for him. But nine losses uh, really shows that they just buried him after he lost the belt. Yeah, I I was baffled, like, you know, telling up the losses. Like, it's just loss after loss after loss after loss. Like, it goes on and on, um, even though he's featured really well. And I think right. that proves something about W booking that you can – you can still be featured and maybe the losses, I wouldn't say wins and losses don't count, but they're very story heavy, uh, story heavy. And so if you can, you know, do more at the loss and you can't win, maybe a loss is better for you in the long run. Right. Well, he's got a lot of them. So there you go. <laughs> quite a few, quite a few. All right. Our uh, best crowd. Again, I think this is a definite no brainer. We went money in the bank. Uh, 2011 in Chicago. Yeah, no competition there. All-time atmosphere, all-time crowd. Um, no, Really no competition. Runaway. All right, our all-star team, our top five performers of the year, obviously CM Punk, John Cena, Dolph Ziggler, and then Randy Orton and Christian. I mean, those were the most consistent. I think Mark Henry was close for me. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just that stuff with show toward the end took him down a little bit. And I don't, I don't know who we'd even take off. Like, I mean maybe seen like i don't know who do you take off of these five to put henry in i'm not even sure yeah that's the thing i don't think that you could take anybody off i think that there's a note to me that like we have the top five um right i just can't imagine taking anybody off this list yeah he's probably sixth for me i, I think uh yeah. because he was great it just again the the show stuff kind of pulls it back down and he's not in a lot before the hall of pain either like he doesn't have a ton of volume and then at the end again he's not treated great so yeah, very very heavy in the middle of the season, wrapping up a Survivor Series, really. Right. All right, our all-loser team, to end the show, our <laughs> bottom five performers of the year. We already mentioned Michael Cole. We already mentioned Kelly Kelly. Uh, Jerry Lawler is on this list as well. He's got the two shit matches with Cole, plus all the commentary along with Cole. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did Brodus Clay, who's got the one squash, and then this is the awful dance excitement at Mania. I mean, maybe feels a little unwarranted, but it's like you and I just don't really like him. So, and yeah, he takes like, up a ton of time. Yeah, he does, and no one else really jumps up to like take the spot. Besides our fifth man, who is Triple H, 
yes, he's got the taker match, but man, the stuff in the fall is all time bad. We went into it in, in detail, just the way he submarines punk and kneecaps him, uh, puts on the awful match with Nash, the awful <laughs> match with punk, just like some real all time bad stuff from him in the fall into the winter, uh, before he vanishes until mania. So, uh, he had a, a clear spot on this team. And honestly, like if Cole wasn't so bad, he might've been my LVP. Yeah. Um, Man, maybe maybe there's a case for a co uh, LVP there because like they're really firing all, on all cylinders um, in the summer, and then he's just like, oh, let me see what I can do about this, and uh, he kills it like he kills it completely dead, um, and it takes them like really until I think WrestleMania really to like dig out, um, and that's the last show of the season. So, and the Taker uh, match does help him. Like I think without that, he, he might have finished. I don't know. Cole's is so bad. Cole, yeah. The problem with Cole is he's all over every show, all show. There's yeah, no, escape. we didn't get a break from him at all. Yeah. There's no escape. Yeah. No escape in this, my friend. All right. So that'll do it. That's our awards. And that does it for the season. Any final lingering thoughts you want to get out before we never talk about 11, 12 again? Um, did it over? Did it exceed? Did it? No, uh, like the highs were higher than I remember. And I even remember, like, at the time, being like, yes, wrestling is back, baby. Uh, you know, Punk's in the media. Cena's at the top of his game. He'll be stepping out soon. Uh, you know, The Rock's going to be at WrestleMania next year. Dolph Ziggler's, like, killing it in the mid-card. Zack Ryder's popping off on YouTube. Like, all this stuff. Like, tons of momentum in the summer. Um but even going back and watching it, it was just as good, if not better, to go back and relive it. So if you haven't checked out 2011 in a while, uh, I encourage you to go ahead and and check out, like, Money in the Bank. Check out – even, like, you can even start Capital Punishment. Like, that's a good start point, I think. Yeah. Um, you know, and just go through, like, you know, from there till SummerSlam. And if you want to experience the lows and just see it really tail off, you know, keep watching. And it picks back up at Survivor Series. Uh, Survivor Series is a fun show. Uh, and overall, I, I think we got like a fun mania. Like, mania was a lot better than I remember it being. Um, and that might even be carried on like the main event. Uh, Rock Cena really do deliver on a match that's been advertised for a full year. And I don't think that's ever happened before in the company. Um, and I mean, that's that's huge, huge pressure to step up and deliver, and they do. So, um, overall, an enjoyable year, um, some definite lows, but happy to be able to uh, be going through those lows with you. Yeah, it was a year um, that I, I was interested in reliving. I hadn't really watched it since it aired in the original time, and I think it I think it exceeded expectations. Eleven was fun. There was a lot of good stuff, um, some hidden stuff. Getting to relive Henry's push was fun. Uh, the early part of twelve was definitely more disappointing than I remembered, but mm. I thought WrestleMania was was a fun watch and too. It was very good. So uh, all in all, it actually is now our number one pay-per-view year based on an average score of 10.2 war. Uh, 94.95 had an average score of 5.6. So uh, by double, it's uh, in first place. Total score, obviously, is not even close. It was 132 for that year, 28 for 94.95. But there's a lot more shows. So we'll go by average score. But it still almost doubles. 94.95. So we'll see if our next season can take down 11.12 and deliver. It'll be a very different season than what we had here. Be focused uh, on different area when it comes to strengths, but we'll see if the change in attitude and the promotion will uh, lead to this being a better, our best season or 
just another one in the bucket. So, for Marcus, I'm JT. Remember to continue living your life above replacement level. We'll talk to you in two weeks' time as we kick off the season. Mirror, babe, don't insane, yeah.